Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. I teach people how to create their own hay house. Hay house? What does that mean? So Louise Hay House, she started her own publishing company, I think when she was uh, around 60. And she completely transformed the publishing industry because she just took a different angle than a lot of traditional publishing companies. And she made, you know, a ton of money, but also supported a lot of creators. So I like to um, use her name because I do tend to gravitate and attract people who are spiritual, who are a little bit more into the metaphysical. So that's what I lead with. Yeah, it, it would get my attention. Well, you did get my attention by the, the question of what's Hay House? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so who was a young uh, Adriana? Was she into publishing, writing books? Or let's talk, let's, let's rewind a little bit and we'll kind of work our way back to, to who you are now. Absolutely. So young Adriana, she um, dreamt of traveling the world. I'm from a tiny town in the middle of nowhere. So all I knew that I wanted to do was see the world. I would go through the pages of National Geographic and I wanted to see the pyramids and I wanted to see the ocean and I wanted to see all of the amazing things. And so when I graduated from high school, everyone expected the straight A student you know, top of a class to go to college. And I never did that. Um, I went and I traveled. I was a volunteer overseas. And I really got an opportunity to see how most of the world lives, which is not how we live. And it was one of the most profound and influential experiences in my life. Wow. What, where, did you, where did you travel to? I started off in Myanmar, which is between Thailand and India. And I went on to Albania and then to Kenya. And that's what I did as a volunteer. And then I went on to travel to uh, 20 some other countries um, just for the fun of it, just for the experience of it. I mean, one thing that I mean, and I've been lucky enough to travel and live in other countries, I mean, like yourself. I mean, one thing that I started to realize is you start learning more about who you are every time you're in another community. What were you finding out about yourself and like what kind of epiphanies are you getting? Mm, that is so true. The thing for me was, you know, being raised in a small town and a very close family, being a girl, I found that I was coddled a lot growing up. You know, um, I, I always had somebody who was basically going to do it for me or make it easier or bail me out. And when I was thousands of miles from home, I actually was able to realize how capable I was, that I'm a really good problem solver, that I'm good at adapting. I can figure it out. And I didn't know that about myself. I really had always just been in a position of, you know, being taken care of. The other thing I discovered is that I love food and I love every kind of food under the sun. And that was really fun because it also led to me discovering how much I love to cook and how much I love to gather people and entertain and make them feel welcome and be that hostess. So you, you, you start understanding this about yourself. What happens next? I mean, you can't probably travel for your whole life. So what happens next? How are you making money? What's going on? So it was when I was 27 years old, I started getting a lot of this pressure. You know, I come from like an overachieving family and they're like, my God, you can't do this forever. You know, <laughs> like your friends, they went to college, they got married, they had kids. What have you done? You know? And so I ended up getting malaria in Kenya wow. and I came back 
And I had no idea what I was going to do here. I had severe reverse culture shock. I was, you know, the United States is intense to re-enter. And I ended up throwing a dart at a map and I moved to Tucson, Arizona. I'd never been there, didn't have any family or friends there. And just a few months later, I met my husband on a blind date. And we decided when we got married, I said, I just have one request. Please, let's not make our life where we get up and we go to a job and we're away from each other all day. We come home, we have dinner, we watch TV and we go to bed and we do that for the next 30 years. Give me anything but that. And so we put our heads together and we started our business and we've worked together every single day since. And actually, after a couple of years, when we had established some clientele, we traveled the world together. And then after we had two babies, we traveled the world with our boys for five years. Let me rewind for a quick second, because that, that was very interesting. So you throw a dartboard, you move to Tucson. In two months span, you go on a blind date. So did you know, like, did you already have the structure in place? That I'm going to meet someone and meet the right person. Oh, God, what? no. No, okay. I was... I, I had promised myself I would never marry an American okay. <laughs> because I knew that I would like, you know, I'd get stuck here. I'd be that like Stepford wife, you know, mm. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> it gets me all choked up thinking about it, you know? <laughs> <coughs> so no, I, what I did do is I did know that I was ready for a new chapter. I didn't have any idea what it would look like, but I knew I was ready for the next chapter and it unfolded. With the blind date, because I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Was it more of an idea? This opportunity came about and I'm just going to say yes to any opportunity that comes about. Good question. It was such a blind date. I didn't know what was happening. Oh, so okay. a friend of mine, I was real ticked off at the time. He was like, hey, you want to go downtown? And I really didn't want to go. I'm not really a party animal. I was like actually heading to bed. He's like, no, come on, let's just go get something to eat, go do something. So I, I wasn't all dolled up to say the least. And when we arrived at the downtown restaurant, as we were walking in, he's like, oh, and by the way, um, I arranged for someone to, to meet us here tonight. I want to introduce you to someone. And I just, you know, I just turned like bright red. I was just so mad. And so I thought, well, here we go. It's too late, you know? But as soon as I saw Derek, I mean, I didn't even know who I was looking for. I was looking across this restaurant and Derek turned around. And as soon as, as soon as he looked at me, he smiled and I knew it was him and I knew I was happy. So, you know, in, in two minutes, I went from completely angry and mad to, Hey, this is going to work out. So, so now you have the, 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 the man you get together. When was the idea of starting a business together? When did that actually bear fruit? How long into like the, the relationship? So we did a few different things. Um, you know, it's sort of like that entrepreneurial way. We were experimenting. We were doing all sorts of things. So initially I was a salesperson for a company and I figured out, that's another thing I figured out as I was really good at sales. I was good with people. And so we did that. And then one day I had this idea, why, why am I selling for them? Why don't I sell for myself? Mm. And so that's when it was about two years into marriage um, that I said, why don't we just do our own thing? I can sell. You're really organized. He's good with all of the, 
the aspects of delivering and, and making sure that things are are um, on track. And so we decided we actually just put together a really simple offer and we were doing social media management, email management for brick and mortar business owners who really didn't like anything technology related. Hmm. And so I would just go out, I'd have the, the breakfast, the teas, the coffees, I'd go chat people up and that was how we started. Did you either of you have a background in social media, web, web design? So it was just these people had no clue, but you at least had some understanding of what was going on. Exactly. It was, we had no training, no experience in it. All I knew is I knew my parents. So I used my parents as the prototype. They were baby boomers. They were successful in business and they had no clue about social media. So Facebook was just beginning back then. And so I had this idea, you know, I'd help them create a Facebook page. I'd help them, hey, how do you get more people in the door? How can you let people you know, tell stories, basically? How can you incorporate that in your email? How can you incorporate this in your website? And they were like, hey, you know what? If this is where it's going, let's do it. I don't want to miss out. They, they, they had the budget for it. They just didn't have the know-how. Mm -hmm. Now, how did you come up with your price of what you're going to charge them to do the work? Mm. You know, it's interesting because I know a lot of people that have all different sorts of strategies for this. For me, I've always just gone with my gut feeling. I just get quiet. I'll go do a meditation. I'll go for a walk and I'll just go with the number that comes to me. And that's that's how I've always done it. Did uh, the first client, I mean, did you have to readjust it or is it just kind of like finding the thing or is that number pretty consistent throughout your first project? You know, I think entrepreneurship is that constant refining. Okay. So we went through a few clients with that initial pricing. And then I figured out, oh, you know, there's other things we could offer them or there's upsells or there's this, or actually this has even more value than what we originally, you know, even saw. So the prices went up as we went. Um, but I would say that's also part of it is just constantly keeping your finger on the pulse and, and figuring out what value do you bring? What are they looking for? You know, and what what are they willing to pay? How Because it's going to somehow benefit them. And that's really the key is making sure that people are always thrilled to be paying you. Was there a, a moment that or was there any time in that process where you wanted an easier paycheck and not going after each meal or is it? you know what? I like this. I enjoy my freedom. Or what was that mindset? Yeah. Let's just say, um, I had a job once and I lasted three days. Um, I'm not cut out for it. Um, I would rather be living in my car than have a job. And so for me, that was never a temptation. I actually love the game of it, of how am I going to figure this out? It's really just kind of messing with that cube and, and, rearranging things and looking for the solution, looking for the opportunity. So I thrive on that. I I'm fine in like what maybe some people would define as like high pressure um, situations. I, I tend to shine there. All right. Now you're, you're shining. The company's going well. When did the idea of your current company come about? Was it there to there or was it a couple different jumps to get to the point that you're at now or how that worked out? Yeah, there was quite an evolution. We began to evolve our offerings, expand them because we began to see what people needed and wanted. Um, and that was just constantly having these conversations. And when we were uh, about 
five years in, I really began to see that storytelling was such a key component to the most effective marketing and that true bond. And it was like my mind was playing with it. A couple of years later, I got this idea to help my clients tell their stories, to um, write articles for publications, to pitch their stories to different places. And then I created this whole thing of, hey, let's write your company story. Let's write an ebook. You know, what are the things you say over and over? Let's put it in a book format. And then um, it was when I was pregnant with my third child, I got the idea to do publishing. And I ended up having a full-term stillbirth in that pregnancy. And so we put that part on hold. I kept the rest of the business going. But I put that on hold. And then it was about a year later that we went full out and we, uh, we produced six books in our, um, six multi-author books in our first year. So we worked with about 130 authors in our first year. And that's when I knew like we have definitely struck gold and we just began to expand from there. When you're talking about the, the, the stillbirth, I mean, what, what was that mean? That process, that mindset, uh, raising two kids, going through that emotional roller coaster. And now you're talking about changing your business model a little bit. I mean, what was that mindset kind of that you were going through? You know, there are defining moments in life and it's when we get to figure out what we're made of. And that was definitely one for me. And you you already nailed it. You know, the thing with grief and loss and all of this, you don't do it in an isolated situation. I was raising two little boys who were little. They were little at the time. You know, there's there's motherhood looking at you every single day. And I had promised my boys one thing when I was pregnant with them. I didn't promise them anything except for this, that I would be a happy mother. And so I was navigating, how am I going to keep my promise to them? How am I going to grieve? Because I was dedicated to facing it head on. I did not want to sweep it under the rug. And then 20 years later, still be dealing with stuff that I just pushed away. And so really what I did in the beginning for the first year, what I told myself is this, you give yourself as long as it takes. So when you start the day, if you're not ready to start work until three or four or five or six, so be it. So I gave myself a lot of flexibility that first year. And so whatever I needed to do, if it was a day where I was sobbing, I sobbed. If it was a day where it was a good day, I went and played with my boys. I went to breakfast with my husband and I gave myself that space. And that was the best thing I did because I didn't want to fake anything. Hmm. When I showed up, I wanted to show up because I knew I was ready for that. And so that's what I did for the first year. And I just told myself, I'm not willing. Like it was actually that moment that I found my, mm, my grit and almost this stubborn streak that said, damn it, I'm not losing another thing. I'm not losing my health. I'm not losing my sanity. I'm not losing my marriage. I'm not losing a good relationship with my boys. I'm not losing my business. And so it was just moment by moment. What can I do? Because I'm not willing to let it go. Was that when you say your your space, I mean, you're I'm guessing used to your alone time. Were you speaking those those affirmation, those words, or what, what were you doing? Was it meditation? Was it affirmations? I mean, what was that process? It mainly two things really got me through that first year is I would go for walks. I would just go out and I would walk and I'd walk and I'd walk. Sometimes I'd go by myself and sometimes I'd take my boys. Sometimes we'd go as a family, 
but I just get out in nature, get the fresh air, the sunshine and move. And the second thing is complete stillness. Like you said, it's that meditation. It was just, I'm just going to be, I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm just going to be with what is. And, and that was what supported me most, especially in the beginning. Now you're, you have the idea and you're kind of grieving, you're working through it. And then from there, actually putting out the books, what was the process like? Did you, was it someone you could talk to? Was it online searching or figuring out how to put the books together? What was the process like? It was interesting because I had met a lady in this time span and she was talking a lot about books. And that was sort of my my green light, like, hey, you know, this is kind of like you said, this is circling back around and we've already talked about it. We already knew we wanted to do it. And so what I did is I went back to my go-to. I just got quiet. I got still. And I asked for like, what's my next step? What's the best way for me to approach this? I actually didn't come right out and say like, oh, we're going to go forward with the publishing division. I just went on social media and I said, I'm looking for 25 women who have a story to share related to being a trailblazer. And in one social media post, I sold that entire book out. And so that's what I did. I actually, I didn't even have the name of the publishing company. My husband told me we were getting ready to put that book on Amazon. He's like, what's the name of the publishing company? And I just went with my initials. And also it's the name of one of my favorite um, Indian ladies. She goes around and gives hugs to everyone. And she's just this beautiful mother of unconditional love. But that's that's what I learned I had to do is instead of trying to figure it all out, just go with the next thing that I knew. And it, it's worked out. Hmm. And now six books and how, how long a time frame did you did you put those out? So the first year we did six books with about 130 authors. Now, was that getting overwhelming or how are you figuring out, OK, which which author to put in which book? I mean, what was that process like? And it's, and maybe it's just because we're, your husband's not here. It seems like you were leading a lot of the charge, or is that not the case? Is it simultaneously, or what's the process like of working with your husband in building this company, too? Yeah, so I'm I'm the idea factory. Okay. So I, I lead the charge. I say, hey, we're doing this, and I, I basically toss a match, and then I go, how are we going to do it? And then he figures mm. out how we're going to do it, right? So he's, he's always on the back end figuring out how to uh, implement the ideas I come up with. And so what I did is I just went by themes. So the first theme was trailblazers. So I would announce a theme when I would get it in meditation. I'd say, this is the theme. And then I'd make the announcement and whoever that spoke to, then they went in the book and he created all these systems. He's mm. extremely organized. He's like a true Capricorn. And he figured out how to organize it all so that it wasn't overwhelming and that actually the book writing and publishing process became very simple and easy. Mm. Do you, does he have a fire extinguisher to like blow <laughs> out that, uh, those flames every once in a while? He does. Um, he, he's very smart about it. Um, so he's like this very grounded, you know, big teddy bear of a guy. So sometimes when I'm just, you know, out of control, He's like, hey, you know, how about we, how about we don't do anything for the next few days? You know, how, we'll do that, but let's just put it off a bit, you know? And then 
I come to my senses and I go, yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't do 17 things at once, you know? So yeah, he's real good like that. So it is, it, if anyone listening right now and they're looking to start a business with their significant other, is that probably the best, best way? Is that kind of the way that you think would, would work best is one person kind of the idea machine, one, the organizer, one more, maybe a little more aggressive, the other one. You know, I think that yin and yang work really well together. And the other thing is, you know, Derek and I have never fought or about business. Business has never been like a, a place of contention. And I think the reason why is because I do what I'm good at and he doesn't give me any input. He doesn't tell me how to sell. He doesn't tell me how to do this, that, and the other. And he does what he's really good at. And I don't give him any input in that. Cause I don't even know what I'm talking about. Right. And so yeah. I think the key is, is just to like, we, we've always had this rule in business that I'm the boss of me mm. and he's the boss of him. Right. I don't tell him what to do. doesn't tell me what to do. And so it's like, if both people are shining and both people are in their zone of genius, it can work really well. And then I will say this, if you work with your significant other, make sure that you're not always talking work. Derek mm. and I go on dates all the time having dates, having fun, having connection outside of like the next project I think is really key. And that's what allows you to have that deep and rich bank account so that when they do have to go, Hey, listen, maybe we shouldn't invest in that type of thing again. It's not, it's not as, as easy to get offended or, or to get, you know, in conflict over these things because the relationship is strong and it's deep sense i mean if, if we were talking in, in five years from now where do you see yourself your guys's business relationship kind of being in that time your family mm. you know our our biggest dream right now is we are actually homesteading my grandparents property we bought it last year we're doing a greenhouse we're growing superfoods we're, we're doing all the things bees and chickens and so actually i see this working of the land becoming more of the focus and because we have so much momentum and things are systematized that a lot of things can run without me having my hands in every single thing without Derek having his hands in every single thing and and so what i see us doing is really focusing on raising our boys and making sure that they know who they are that they're able to become the best that they can become and as we do this, we get to have a deep connection with our family, with nature, and we get to become completely self-sustainable. When do you, when are you hoping to be self-sustainable by? Is it like in the next like two years, three years? I mean, when's the, I, the goal? The the goal, I think we actually might be able to pull off in the six next six to nine months. Wow. Do you, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry. Do you mean, do you, sorry to, to cut you off. I mean, in, hmm. do you ever look at that young uh, Adriana, those traveling the world now, someone that's basically almost off the grid, it almost it, it's the same, but it's different. I mean, do you ever look at those two different kind of people? Oh my gosh. So this has been something I've been reflecting on a lot the last year and a half, you know, since we got here, because there was a part of me that felt in conflict, you know, they, there's a part of me that loves my wings and now my roots are going deep. And it's exactly what you just said. One day my husband said, it's the same. It's the same. And it, when it clicked, it clicked because really what I loved about travel 
is that it showed me what matters most. What do I value most? And when I when I was traveling, I knew a few things for sure. I wanted a slow, rich life. I wanted to eat meals around a table with the people that I love. I wanted to know where my food was coming from. I wanted to know my neighbors. I wanted to have meaningful relationships. And I get to have all that in this situation. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I, do you, and you've talked about already of keeping it with your, uh, with your husband is basically having the dates I mean, is there other things that you are? Do you guys still travel out and about? I mean, out, outside the country? I mean, how are you, I guess, reassessing who you are on, on a daily basis? Is it self-meditation? I mean, what does that look like? Mm. Yes, I have a lot of space built into my schedule. Uh -huh. So just as an example, we take Friday, Saturday, Sunday off as a family. So those are days that we're playing, we're out in nature. Maybe we're going to go an hour down the road and go sledding. Maybe we're going to go, you know, do something fun at the cabin, or maybe we're going to go to Phoenix. We were in Phoenix last week. Um, so having this space, but then also in the day to day, I, I have to have that quiet time. I have to have the nature time, the yoga, the meditation. And what I've found is that if play and fun is a part of every single day, it just sort of greases these wheels. It's, it's what makes it all really work long-term. Hmm. Do you, if you could look back, I mean, diving back into that younger, younger person, or maybe someone listening that's that kind of younger person who you were at that time of traveling, looking for that freedom. Is there any advice you'd give to yourself or maybe someone else in that, those shoes? You know, the most important thing is to honor who you are. I come from a family, both sides of my family have been here for five generations. No one ever left. No one ever traveled. Le like for my friends and neighbors, people I went to school with, leaving the, the county was a big deal. And so when I had that desire, everybody thought I was crazy. And what this is, that's not what we do. But we have to honor ourselves as individuals. So if your heart leans toward adventure or leans toward travel or leans to something that maybe no one around you has done or encourages, you got to honor yourself and you've got to find people who also get it. This was one of the best things that social media ever provided me. I began to search for other people who were traveling. I began to search for families who were traveling because you can imagine when I started traveling with my sons when they were one and two, people thought I was off my rocker. Mm. I was traveling full time, raising babies. I was pregnant with a third, running a business. It didn't make any sense. But then I found a Facebook community of over 30,000 traveling families and I was like, a lot of people do it. So you got to find your people and you got to honor who you are because nothing's worse than living someone else's life and getting to the end and realizing you're full of regret. Well, I mean, and I'll finish up with this question, talking about kind of living your own life. And I mean, I guess telling your story, I mean, people out there that are thinking about kind of telling their story, I mean, what's the process look like when they reach out to you or, I mean, trying to say, Hey, you know what? I think I have a good story. I want people to know about this. What's the process like? And, and how, in, in depth do they have to go and tell them the story? Mm. Well, you know, when we get started, the main thing that I'm looking for is people who know who they are, hmm. people who know why they're here. It's not to pay bills. It's not to take the trash out on Tuesday, right? It's not to watch the next Netflix series. People who know who they are, they know why they're here and they know that they have a gift that they are compelled to give away, that they are compelled to share with others something that they have to pass on. That's really what I'm looking for in a client. And if they know that and they have this fire burning within them, 
I'll support them in any way I can to get this story out and for as many people as possible to, to know about it. This is what really, these are the ingredients for leaving a legacy. And that's what it looks like. Well, if you're listening right now and you're looking to tell your story, you know what you want to put out there. Um, what's the best way of them reaching out to you, Adriana, and your company? Mm. They can go to amaspeaks.com and they can reach out through there. We also have some resources there and I'd love to connect. Well, perfect. And, and your information and that, that website is in the show notes. So if you're listening right now and you have a story and you want to tell the world screaming from the rooftop, go down, reach out to, to Adriana. Uh, any last words that you want to throw out there to the listeners, to uh, anyone that's, that's currently listening to us right now? I just want to remind people that they absolutely have an amazing story and it's one that's worth sharing because when other people hear their story coming out of your mouth, they realize that they're not alone. And that's the beauty of storytelling. We realize that we have a lot in common and other people have walked the same path as us. So if you have a story, make sure that you're the one who's willing to talk about it. I mean, yeah, anyone listening, I'm going to just chime in on this one right here. It's like anyone listening right now, don't be afraid to tell your story. I mean, I've had the, the honor of interviewing people like Adriana and so many other people out there. And every story is different. It's just, I mean, I, I think someone posted it well. It's like, it's the life is about 10% of what actually happens and 90% of how you basically react to that. Right. Mm. And there's so many people out there that like, they get so overwhelmed with like the smallest things, but you look, you talk to someone else and it's so much worse. So someone has it worse than you, someone has it better than you. And that's always going to be the case. Be happy with who you are, be happy with your story and uh, be willing to share from the rooftop. Thank you, Adriana, for, for being here. Everyone you're listening, please subscribe, please share and uh, go find Adriana. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.